0: this is witchcraft off the beaten path i'm molly dyer the date of this episode is december 23rd 2020. we just celebrated the winter solstice and i hope everyone was able to keep warm and was able to be around those they love the most on the longest night of the year and also i am a lying liar because not only did we not stay up and keep vigil this year for the return of the sun but also we were in bed asleep before midnight and i can't really apologize for it post-covid exhaustion is a real thing and it sucks and we just weren't up to it seriously it's balls but i did wake up in time to greet the sun as he rose after the longest night i stood in our open front door in my jammies in my big fuzzy robe with my big fuzzy slippers on with a steaming cup of coffee and i watched the steam from my own breath making curls with the steam from my coffee in the 26 degree weather, I watched the sun rise, brand new, and then I went back to bed. It was glorious. Wherever in the world you are, I hope this finds you healthy, rested, well fed, and in a headspace that you can deal with all the things easily. However, seeing as it is still 2020, and there are still nine whole fucking days left in this flaming bag of dog shit of a year, and there's currently no end in sight, I think at this point, if you're listening to this episode from this side of the dirt, that'll do. Being alive at this point is trophy-worthy. Blue Ribbon. And if you're here in the U.S., if you're listening to this, you've undoubtedly been keeping up with the Cheeto shit show, hopefully anyway, and the utter desperation on display for the entire world to gawk at and laugh at. We just need to make it until January 20th, 2021. Maybe they'll just trank dart that motherfucker and take him out of the White House like they would an angry rhino at the zoo. Whatever happens, I really hope it's captured on video. And for all those so-called quote Proud Boys end quote which I refuse to ever capitalize when I type. Your days are numbered as well. The military that will likely have to be at the White House when Tangerine Palpatine is physically removed, because he ain't gonna go on his own, ain't gonna put up with your bullshit. So bring it on, fuckers. They're gonna be waiting. If you're standing down and standing by, you might want to consider just standing back. Hopefully this part of the nightmare is almost over. Also, I sincerely hope we all made it through the great conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter on Monday without our planet blowing up. If you're hearing this, maybe the planet didn't blow up because if there's one thing that 2020 has taught us, it's that nothing is ordinary anymore and to expect the weirdest scenario and outcome we could ever imagine. The topic of today's episode is here comes anti-claws. Since I don't want to gloss over the Christmas holiday, which is coming, and I don't necessarily want to talk about Jeebus again, and I don't just want to talk about Santa, let's talk about a bunch of the other cool, freaky anti-Santas, alternatives to jolly old Saint Nick found around the globe. Anti-Santa. See, that's where that's where I got that from. <laughs> I thought it was really clever. Here comes Annie Claus, here comes Annie Claus. See? It works. Some of them are just downright holly jolly. And some of them are evil fuckers. And bitch, some of them will eat your baby. Take Portugal's version of Santa Claus, for example. In Portugal, they call him Pai Natal. If your children don't leave out a stick of butter, Pai Natal will eat off your children's toes. Eat them off. Eat them right off. All for a stick of butter. That is an evil, high cholesterol heaven mofo right there. In Central Europe, namely in Germany, Hungary, and Austria, a half goat, half demon monster called Krampus will give misbehaving children the what for at Christmas time. And guess what? Yes, yeah, Santa knows. Krampus is St. Nick's companion on Christmas. The word Krampus is derived from the German word Krampen, meaning claw. That is some wholesome shit right there. Legend has it that Krampus is the son of Hell, the god of the underworld in Norse mythology. On December 5th, which is Krampusnacht, or Krampus night, Saint Nick, or Santa, rewards the good little children with toys and fresh fruit and candies. Krampus, on the other hand, beats the shit out of those little bastards who couldn't be bothered to behave. He beats them with reeds and sticks. And sometimes beating them is just his attempt to tenderize them before he eats them. Or maybe he'll put them in the basket on his back and just take them to hell. That is charming. Merry Christmas! La Bafana is a part of Christmas folklore in Italy. Her name, La Bifana, is derived from the Feast of the Epiphany, or the, bear with me, Festa dell'Epifania. She's known by some as the Christmas witch, but not widely recognized as a witch in Italy for some reason. I mean, why would she be? She's a crusty old hag wearing tattered clothing. She's covered in something that looks like soot. She wears a black cloak or a cape, sometimes just a tattered sweater. And she rides a broom, but definitely not a witch. If you've ever seen one of those kitchen witches that you hang in your kitchen window so you don't burn food, or because you're secretly a pagan, she looks like one of those. She carries a bag or a large basket. She carries a bag or a large basket of caramella, or candy, for the good little kids, and carbone, or coal, for the naughty little kid. Onions and garlic are another staple in her bag for the bad little kids, because if you kick out a rocks out of de neighbor's windows, you'll get a onions in a yusaka. That's my best La That's pretty sad. And I'm Italian, so I'm, I don't know when to stop. La Baffana is said to be the best housekeeper in Italy, so many people say she sweeps the floors before she leaves, but that would just kind of add a layer of guilt for me for my own housekeeping skills. Oh, and also, legend says that if you see La Bafana, she will smash you over the head with her broomstick. Because she doesn't like to be seen. This might just be a tradition to keep the kids in their beds, though. Either way, she sounds like a broad you don't want to mess with. And if you know what's good for you, you'll leave her a little something to nosh on. But she ain't no cookies and milk kind of Christmas lady. La Bafana wants a glass of wine and some charcuterie. The better the wine and charcuterie, the better the chances that you won't get an onion in your sock. Tio de Nadal is a favorite in Catalonia, a province of Spain. Tio means log, or big chunk of wood, basically, and Denadal Nadal means Christmas, or of Christmas. The Tio is traditionally a log that somebody glued some feet on, and some googly eyes, and maybe a like a pipe cleaner mouth, right? Okay, traditionally the household starts to feed the Tio around December 8th. For future information, Tio likes cookies and nuts. They also cover Tio with a blanket because logs get chilly too, people. Don't just think about yourself. On Christmas, all of the kids would have to leave the room with the fireplace. The tradition used to be that the kids would have to kneel down and pray that Tio would bring them a lot of presents. It seems that the praying part doesn't happen so much anymore nowadays, but the kids do still leave the room and they wait. While they're waiting, they usually go somewhere like the kitchen and they run these big sticks they have under a cold water tap. So they can then stick them in the fireplace when they go into the room where the Tio is. Because when the kiddos go back in that room, and here's the fun part, they're gonna beat Tio with their sticks while commanding it to poop out their gifts to poop out their gifts. In fact, Tio is often referred to as Cagatio, which translates, I'm told, into the shitting log. They even have a song the kids sing while they're beating Tio. I won't torture you with more terrible attempts at speaking another language, yet. So here's the translation of the Cagatio song. It goes a little something like this. Shit log, shit nougats, hazelnuts, and my cheese. If you don't shit well, I'll hit you with a stick. So shit, log. Of course, they're beating it with sticks while threatening to beat it with sticks, so I'm not sure Tio sees that as really much of a threat. After the beating is done, one of the parents will go and remove the thick blanket off of Tio where there are bits of soft nougat, hard candies, hazelnuts, a Catalonian goat's milk cheese made with no salt called mato cheese, and sometimes tiny little trinkets or small toys, all from beating the figurative shit out of a log. A shitting log. Without meaning to offend those of Spanish or Catalonian descent, I just don't know how to feel about the shitting log. Poor Tio. But remember, kids, if you're going to welcome Tio de Natal into your home, starting at the Feast of the Immaculate Conception on December 8th, you got to start feeding and taking really good care of Tio, so it will shit out some excellent log-ass nougat for you to eat with your face mouth. While a lot of people associate Father Christmas with Santa Claus, and indeed use them interchangeably nowadays, Father Christmas belongs to a much older English folkloric tradition and was completely unrelated to the jolly old elf Santa Claus. Father Christmas first appeared in the 17th century in the earliest days of the end of the English Civil War. The English government abolished, by law, Christmas, considering it way too papist for their liking. It should be noted that at that time, the English government was controlled by Puritans, so there's a little bit of backstory there. Royalists adopted Father Christmas as a symbol of good cheer, but the restoration saw his popularity decline significantly. Prior to the Victorian times, Father Christmas was more concerned with having a good old time, like good drink, good food, maybe a little of the old than having any particular link to children or the giving of gifts the uniquely American myth of Santa Claus arrived in England in the mid-1800s and suspiciously began inserting himself into the English culture. In fact, Father Christmas had started taking on attributes of the American Santa Claus. New customs had been established and recognized by the 1880s, but by then, Santa Claus and the English Father Christmas had become largely interchangeable. And by now, most dictionaries consider Santa Claus and Father Christmas synonymous. And the biggest takeaway from this cautionary tale, at least for me, is that we Americans ruin everything. And I'm really sorry about that. Iceland has a few Christmas traditions. The first of which I'll talk about is Gryla, the Christmas witch. This witch will eat your babies, bitch. I was not kidding. Gryla, the Christmas witch, is a giantess and will cook in a large pot and eat all the naughty children on Christmas. She lives in Iceland's remote backcountry, the Hinterlands, in her cave in the mountains. She is the baby-eating matriarch of a family of folklore creatures, including her 13 sons called the Yule Lads and her lazy-ass, good-for-nothing husband, Lepa Ludi. And there's also her cat, the Yule Cat, but I'm going to get to the Yule Cat in just a minute. Her 13 sons, the Yule Lads, are a charming bunch of assholes with names describing their personalities like Spoon Licker, Pod Scraper, Door Slammer, Sausage Swiper, Window Peeper, Sneezy, Sleepy, Doc, and Meat Hook, to name just a few of them. By the way, Sneezy, Sleepy, and Doc, I just threw that in there to try to be funny. There is some disagreement about whether all 13 of the Yule lads are her sons, or if nine are her sons and the other four are just her brothers. Either way, each one of them sound like a real catch, ladies. In Icelandic, the name Gryla translates loosely to the growler. She carries a sack on her back with which to carry away the naughty little children, and she has a tail that's got horns all over it. Anybody that wanders onto her land is in danger of being eaten. She sounds just lovely. She's kind of used as a tool to terrify children into behaving around Christmas, and there are people who dress like her and wander around Christmas markets and celebrations just to scare the shit out of children. And in other news, I think I'm going to retire in Iceland. Now back to Gryla's adorable kitty, the Yule Cat. The Yule Cat, Christmas Cat, or the Old Cat is a giant, man-eating kitty. I had to contact my friends in Iceland for the pronunciation of the Yule Cat's name in Icelandic, which I'm certain I'm going to massacre anyway. Jólekáttúren. I am sorry to the whole of Iceland for that mangled pronunciation, but you're gonna have to hear it again. As the legend goes, the Yule Cat will come down from the mountains on Christmas night and peek into people's houses to see if children have received new clothes for presents. If they have not, the Yule cat will eat them. An Icelandic tradition for Christmas is to give well-behaved children new socks and clothes, but the naughtier children don't get nothing, which of course leaves them very vulnerable and looking like cat chow to Jóla káttúrn. Now, of course, parents would use this story to get their children to do their chores and be good. So Jóla sounds like the Icelandic relative of Elf on the Shelf. Regarding the Jóla to quote my friend uh, Raquel in Iceland, be good and get new clothes or fuck around and find out. In the southwestern region of Germany, along the Rhine River, lives a grumpy, crusty old fucker wearing furs and blankets called Belschnickel. Belschnickel is a gift bringer and is related to the concept of St. Nicholas, specifically for German-speaking European children. Unlike both Santa and his companion Krampus visiting kids, Belschnickel is both good cop and bad cop all rolled up into one. He's a lone wolf. He's what some kids get instead of Santa Claus in parts of Germany. Typically, he wears torn, tattered clothing, and it's usually dirty and too large. He has his pockets stuffed full of candy, small cakes, nuts, and trinkets for all the Gutakinda Kinder, good kids, and also carries a switch or a tree branch in his hands with which to beat the schlechte Kinder, the bad kids. And he's not only in Germany and Austria, he's also in America, in some Pennsylvania Dutch communities, as well as some Brazilian German communities. If you watched the American version of The Office, you might remember when Dwight Schrute came to The Office dressed as Belschnickel, with a whip in one hand and a handful of reeds in the other, with which he planned on beating the crap out of his co-workers. In the autonomous community of Basque, in the north of Spain, there is Olensura. A common version of the myth of Olensura is that he is one of the Basque giants living in the Pyrenees. The rest of that version of the myth involves an old blind man asking the giants just to throw him off of a cliff to avoid having to live through Christianity or something. Sounds about right. And then suddenly, Olensura. I'm pretty unclear about this guy, but I know he's sort of a Basque Santa Claus, and he brings gifts to children. And also, if the children won't go to bed on Christmas Eve... He'll throw a sickle down the chimney to make sure the kids know he'll slit their goddamn throats if they don't go to bed. So he's one of those feel-good types of anti-Santas. There are a bunch of other anti-Santas, but that's all I'm going to cover this time. Now it's on to Santa. The name of the plan. The jolly old elf. Old Saint Nick. Krampus's wingman. Kris Kringle. That old fat bastard. The O.G. Slayboy. The modern-day Santa Claus has a long, rather rich history of predecessors dating back to the actual St. Nicholas, who was a Greek Christian bishop in the 4th century. But I don't really want to talk about that. I don't want to dispel any myths about Santa Claus because of this. Santa Claus, myth or fact, is pure magic. Santa Claus, if you want to know the truth, for me, is the very best part of there being a Christian Christmas. He's the fat man with the twinkle in his eye and the smile on his lips. He's the guy that goes to every single home and every single corner of the world and delivers presents to kids, or so we think. It's a nice image to have. And that's pretty magical. I, unfortunately, figured out Santa at a very young age. I was four. I won't give the details of the story, but I put the pieces together and was pretty devastated. And again, that's another story for another time. Try to keep the magic of Santa Claus alive. And remember, before Santa visits your house for Christmas, please leave him a little note with his milk and cookies and ask him not to leave something like an iPad or new iPhone or a new PlayStation 5 console, or a laptop. Just ask him to leave candy or small gifts. That way, your kiddo doesn't get a giant gift from Santa when the kid across the street down the block got a Hot Wheels race car, or a couple of candy bars, or an orange. He's magical, and he's gonna understand that request. Keep that magic alive as long as you can. Everybody needs magic this time of year not just us witches. And keep that magic alive not just for your kiddos, but tuck it in your heart as well. No matter how you celebrate December 25th this year with the pandemic, I hope you're able to find joy, peace, happiness, warmth, and best of all, that magic. And I sincerely hope you don't have to beat a log until it shits nougat and that nobody ever eats your toes off. Heathen's greetings to one and all. There's a brand new episode every Wednesday, and as always, if you have questions or comments about this or any other episode of this podcast, or if there's a topic you'd like to hear about on a future episode, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay at home. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Wear your goddamn Santa hat and your mask. I hope you never hunger and I hope you never thirst. As above, so below. Ho, ho, ho. Thanks for listening. If you liked it, tell a friend and subscribe. Happy holidays. I'm Molly Dyer. This is Witchcraft Off the Beaten Path.